Hey everybody, you are listening to the Tough Like a Girl podcast. I'm Vera. And I'm Liz. And we are, uh, this is the podcast where we take a look at graphic novels and trade compilations with female protagonists. And this time we are taking a look at uh, one called The Dire Days of Willow Weep Manor. And this was one you had come across. How, how did this end up in your lap? Um, so it is a Green Mountain Book Award nominee, which technically is for like high school and up. Um, I have a friend on the committee and I often ask committee members, specifically her, um, what might be good for middle school, like what could be read by like my eighth graders and what they might like. And she recommended this and I would agree it's fine to be in middle school. Um, some of the references might go over a lot of their heads, but there's nothing in there that you're no, particularly not, cur- concerned about. No, I think content would be fine. Yeah. So this is from Shannon K. Garrity and Christopher Baldwin. It, the credits don't actually specify who did what. They're just both listed um, equally as creators on this. So this... Oh boy. I'm trying to think of how to explain this. So we start with Haley, who I I actually don't know. I think it's implied she's in high school. Yeah, I'm thinking like junior or senior in high school. Yeah. I mean, like, it could be college, but I'm thinking high school. Yeah, I'm feeling more high school. Um, and she has a longtime obsession with gothic romances. And... <laughs> <laughs> so not my thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, like, to, to, to the point that the uh, it actually opens with her teacher telling her, like, whatever your book report is on, I don't care, just not on another gothic romance. <laughs> um, but she is heading home uh, from school, and she's crossing a bridge, and down in the water is uh, a guy who appears to be drowning. So she dives in, she saves him, and then they paddle towards uh, a, a castle or a manor that sure as heck wasn't there before. And so now she has found herself at Willow Weep Manor. And there are, there are base, there's a little more than this, but there are effectively five main people who she runs into there. There's three brothers who mm-hmm. live at the manor, and that's... Montague, Cuthbert, and Lawrence. Yes. We'll they, come back to what I think those names are referencing. Yep. We've got the uh, the chambermaid, Wilhelmina. Uh-huh. Uh, and because it's a gothic manor, there's also a ghost. Because, of course, there's a ghost. There uh, are a lot of gothic tales with ghosts. Yes. Or supernatural elements. So, yeah. Um, although, apparently, Haley's the only one who can see her. And mm-hmm. that's Cecily. Mm-hmm. And so initially she's just like in this place, but like, it's a little bit more than just like, it's not like she dropped through time and went to the past. And actually she figures that out impressively quickly because just looking at the architecture is like, this is all anachronistic. That shouldn't be here. That's from the (laughs) wrong time. Like it demonstrates immediately her level of obsession with this stuff that she immediately picks out why this can't actually be that time period. Haley knows her stuff. She really does. She really, really does. Well, then she gets introduced to what is called the infernal device. And that has to do with what 
Willow Weep actually is. And this is where it gets really tricky to explain. So, Willow Weep is basically the top level of what's called a gasket universe. Mm -hmm. So, this is technically a multiverse story in mm -hmm. that there are, you know, these infinite number of universes and generally they just move along and do their own thing and that's fine. But every now and then there are two that, if left on their own, would collide with each other and that would be bad. And so in, be in between them, you get gasket universes, which are meant to basically regulate and make sure things stay um, properly separated. But the device is failing and there are tears happening between Haley's world, a.k.a. our world, mm -hmm. and the universe of penultimate evil. Um, I love that word. Penultimate is a great word. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm a fan of um, the series of unfortunate events, so yeah, <laughs> which uses that word in great ways. So eventually from the universe of penultimate evil comes the bile, which... Yes, I, I did remember that. I was like, I remember what that called. Uh, yes, Vera has read this more recently than I have, so my, my memory, it's been a busy couple weeks, so my memory's a little rusty. You've been going through a lot. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, and the bile takes the form of a monk because, like, the Gasky universe, there is kind of an explanation as to why it's gothic romance inspired. Like, it shifts over time as influences from the universes it's attached to bleed in, and that was a particularly, like, potent um, aesthetic from the time, and they've just been stuck like that. But it also kind of means that the whole place is operating on the rules of those narratives, which is mm -hmm. why the bile takes the form of a monk. Uh, mm -hmm. It's why Cecily, who we later find out, is also from another universe. But it's why she's in the form of a ghost, because a ghost actually fits this aesthetic. Mm -hmm. And so um, the everybody has to team up and try and prevent the bile from taking over Willow Weep, because then it would allow it to um, cross over to our universe and destroy everything. And that's, that's the basics. <laughs> what did you, what did you think of this? I liked it. There was part of me that thought it tried a little too hard. I, yeah, I can see that. Like, I, I feel like in terms of the satire elements, that Katie the cat sitter worked better for me. And I genuinely liked that more. And the humor in that more. This, I got what I was going for, but I'm just... A, gothic romances aren't my thing. So, like, if I liked them better, I might have liked it. B, I, I don't know. I just thought it, it was... It, it's good, and there were parts I genuinely liked, but I thought it, like... The humor or something tried... It just felt like it was trying too hard. The humor mostly worked for me because usually it was rooted in how these characters were established. Like, what I found myself laughing the most at were... So, okay, so of the brothers, Montague is basically the closest to the standard romantic character. He's the one that Haley gets out of the water. Mm -hmm. There's Cuthbert, who is just a raging idiot. Mm-hmm. Um, but also a highly joyful one. I did enjoy... Okay, so humor-wise, I did enjoy Cuthbert. I also humor-wise enjoyed Lawrence. Mm, I... Yeah. For how insanely grouchy he is. 
like, this isn't really a spoiler, but towards the end of the book, he's like, he shakes everybody's hands and like, hmm, hmm, and then walks off and his brother's like, I never thought I'd see that kind of outpouring of emotion from him. Like, that's the kind of guy he is. So like, those bits of humor, I actually, I laughed at quite a bit. Because they were very rooted in who the characters were, and the characters were exaggerated archetypes. Uh-huh. But there were there were definitely other times where the joke... Well, to make a, I guess, a topical comparison, they kind of suffer from the Marvel problem that some people complain about with Marvel movie humor, which is that this is a fairly serious moment, but you're undercutting it with a joke because... Why? What Did, did that have to be there right now? So th there is a little bit of that too. I didn't find it too distracting, but it is it is it is there. Um, what did <laughs> I, I I enjoyed Wilhelmina as well. The uh, I did like Will. I, see the character. It's not that I disliked any of the characters. I just though I feel like I wanted a little more character development of Haley. I think. She is actually surprisingly underdeveloped. I, you know what I think the issue is? Uh-huh. None of the other characters needed particularly much development because they were all intended to slot in as archetypes. Uh-huh. She doesn't slot in as an archetype, and yet not that much more time is spent establishing her beyond, like, gothic romance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I hadn't thought about it, but you're right. They don't inject that much more to her as a person. Mm-hmm. That said, I did I did like that it meant that she basically was rolling with all this. She had no period of what's going on. This can't be happening. Like she completely skipped that, and I have mad respect. I mean, they dropped her in her jam. Like they yeah. were like, "Here you go. This is your paradise." I have mad respect for any story that can drop a character into a fantastical setting and shorten or skip over the disbelieving period as quickly as possible, just because it's boring. Um. Mm -hmm. But yeah, you're right. That and it's actually there's there's a weird implied romance between her and Montague, which never really made much sense. Yeah, to that's me. underdeveloped. I'll yeah, it. it just feels like it's their kind of. I mean, like they don't. Bank Honestly, on it too, too hard. he is a little underdeveloped too of the three brothers. Yeah, yeah, he's he's the closest to like a protagonist of the brothers. And yeah, he's the one with the least personality. Mm -hmm. So I think maybe, and ironically enough, these are the two people on the cover. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, ironically enough, the arguably the two major characters have the least interesting personalities and the least development to them as people. Mm -hmm. um, they do kind of get overshadowed by everybody else. We haven't mentioned this, um, I think probably partially because it doesn't matter in the book, and the book never brings it up. Mm -hmm. uh, but Haley is black. Yes. Um, and I like that that's just a thing. I like, first of all, because you wouldn't necessarily assume an interesting gothic romance uh -huh. from her from that. And in a more, less fantastical, more realistic setting, you would expect that to be brought up. Yeah. Like, to just become a whole thing with how the... Um, the brothers respond to her or something, but it literally never comes up. And since it's not, I see the book from it. Since it's not truly, um, you know, like sending her back in time, it can get away with that without feeling like it's dodging the issue. So, 
I think, and I'm looking this up now though, I think both of the creators are white and I'm wondering if that is why they don't really go into the race issue. Uh, Shannon K. K Garrity is... What's the other Christopher Baldwin? Christopher Baldwin. Yeah, he, yep, he is too. Yeah. So, I, I suppose somebody... I'm not... I don't feel like making this argument, but if someone were to make an argument that her being non-white is a little token, I don't really have a counter to that. It didn't come across that way to me. I but... wouldn't say... I mean, again also white um i wouldn't say it's token necessarily but i'm wondering if that is the reason that racial issues are not delved into in this setting and in this book so, sort of new enough to not stick their nose in that thing you mean yeah or, or like just we're like okay we've made this character black that's what we've done and either knew not to know that, to stick their nose in it or just was like, we did this thing and didn't know to maybe try to explore it. I don't know. Yeah, I, I suppose there's the, there's the self-aware possibility and there's the cynical possibility. Yeah, I don't know. Again, I don't know anything else by either of these creators. So. Yeah, no, me neither. I, I couldn't tell you. I can't. I can't. I can't give you a Raina Telgemeier <laughs> spiel on this. <laughs> so. But, and also, I think it's worth, like, noting, because um, I don't think either of us hold a position, and we don't want people to think we're implying that, like, only um, people of color can write about non-white characters. Mm -hmm. That's not what we're implying, but that it's one of those things where there is a long history of either failing of when white writers do that, mm -hmm. either failing to explore the implications mm -hmm. or just handling them really badly seem to be the two most common occurrences mm -hmm. because like when stepping, when, when creating a character, especially a main character that is outside of your sphere of experience to do that well, generally takes a decent amount of time and research yeah. And interviewing people who know what they're talking about, mm -hmm. which not maybe all. hiring a consultant, and yeah. things like that. I think that stuff is important, and yeah. we don't know if that did or didn't happen with this. So again, yeah. we're 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 kind of working off limited information. I just wanted to be sure that people didn't think that we were being absolutist about you can only write what you are, because I don't think that, and I don't think you do. No, I think you just need to be careful, especially when you're dealing with main characters. And I think you really need to do your homework if you're going to go into that realm. So yeah, um, trying to think what else the the art style is relatively um, cartoonish. Mm -hmm. It's definitely not realistic. Mm -hmm. Huge eyes. <laughs> oh, but yes, very big eyes. Um, big eyes are a big thing. Um, sneaky gayness. <laughs> sneaky gayness. Sneaky gayness. They snuck in some gayness. <laughs> yep, at the end. Let's sneak it in at the end. <laughs> Surprise! Gay character. <laughs> 
I um, wouldn't say they did it in a sneaky way. We're just, we weren't expecting it is what it was. <laughs> no. Yeah. It, like, I think it worked and it, it wasn't like a, it wasn't like a, shh, don't tell anybody. It was like, no. Oh, oh. So the, oh, okay. So that's the thing. All right. All right. <laughs> All right then. Yep. Um, you had implied when we were talking before we started recording this that you wanted to bring up. The names, okay, of the brothers? Yes. So, my, because I was looking at those, and I'm like, they all have, and again, there might be other literature connections that I can't make right now, because again, not a gothic romance girl, and these aren't necessarily gothic romances, but these are all older literature works, and so I was thinking for Cuthbert, the Cuthberts I know are Anne of Green Gables. Okay. Marilla and Matthew, which again, not a gothic romance, but like set in like the 1800s and yep. kind of like, you know, um, I could see Haley reading that. Um, Montague, I'm thinking Shakespeare, Montague and Capulets, yep. you know, Romeo and Juliet. And then um, Lawrence, um, Lori Lawrence is from Little, Little Women. Women. Yeah. Yep. So that's, those were the three connections I made. Listeners out there, if you know others with those three names, have at it. Um, yeah. I mean, all the names sound very gothic. And, yeah. I mean, know, they, they, but, they fit the, the aesthetic, certainly. But I could see the author knowing those three characters and putting them in and as a little nod. Uh -huh. So, um, yeah. I, again, I enjoyed it. I just. Didn't love it. I liked it, but didn't love it. So I enjoyed it while reading it. I don't think I'll. I, it's it's something that I will probably forget I read mm -hmm. until someone until like somebody else for some reason brings that up. I'm like, oh yeah, that thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, that sounds about right. And yay for multiverses. Yes, because we just like to plug that we recently saw everything everywhere all at once and. Which if you is, want to see multiverses done to the max and done spectacularly, and again, this is a very adult movie we're talking about yes. here now. Yeah, that this one not for kids. The movie, yeah, um, it, it's it's wonderful. Yeah, if you if you want one more reason to be disappointed in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse <laughs> of Madness, go ahead and watch everything everywhere all at once and realize how little the Doctor Strange movie did with the idea. You are really a little bit bitter about that movie. I was really looking forward to that movie, and it ticked me off on multiple levels, even before I saw a movie go headfirst into the deep end of multiverse concepts and ideas, and then realized Doctor Strange was in a friggin' six-inch deep kiddie pool. Hmm. Yeah. I think it even still needed the, like the little water wings in that kiddie pool. It is like, I can't take them off. This Ugh. is scary. Yeah. Oh. I, have, I, have almost, I have almost nothing nice to say about that movie anymore. Yeah. So let's move on. Yeah. Well, uh, we'll move That's on. That's it to Willow Weep. I think it's like a, a tentative like recommendation for me. If you like gothic romances, you should definitely read it. If... And, and I would say you don't even necessarily have to be deeply knowledgeable of gothic romance. If you like that, even things that go for that aesthetic. Yeah. 
I, I think yeah, it pulls some specific references and it, but it also calls out the tropes as it does them mm -hmm. to sort of like catch anybody who isn't going to catch those tropes on their own up. Yeah. So I don't think that not knowing gothic romance is a barrier to entry. Mm -hmm. um, but like gelling with that aesthetic at least is probably going to help. Yeah. Yeah. And we don't know what we're doing next time. No, no, we don't. Um, do we have? feedback do we know oh i have not checked okay um so one of two things will happen uh we we will either <laughs> we will either suddenly jump to a wrap-up or you will hear a commercial break and we'll be back with listener feedback one of those two things is about to happen stay tuned and find out <laughs> so exciting and as it turned out drum uh, roll drum roll uh we're done we're done there was no feedback on the last episode uh so Thank you, everybody, for uh, for tuning in. We don't know what we're doing next month, but it'll be something. Yep. <laughs> You'll find out with us. Yay! Yay! See you then. Bye. Bye. Tough Like a Girl is a Council of Geeks production and is presented on the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Comments can be left at fireandwaterpodcast.com, and you can support the network by finding Fire and Water Podcast Network on Patreon. This particular show enjoys support from Carolyn and Brian Linton. Our logo art was created by Nick Buxom, and our theme music is by Erica Dreisbach. Thanks again for listening.